Welcome to TT's Chronicles. Um, today is Friday. Don't tell me. It's Friday, March 6th, 2020. Um, hi, Ruben. Hey, how are so, you? So, Ruben is our behind the scenes, quote unquote, sound guy. We've dubbed him the sound guy, but he does so much more than that. Um, I wanted to take it down about 20 notches from the last one because we were so freaking crazy on the last one and um, kind of talk a little bit more about myself and my story. And those of you who follow me on Instagram know that I, I put out a lot of inspirational quotes and like talk a lot about, you know, eating dirt and like, you know, to get where I am and stuff. But I reached out to Ruben and... And he decided he wanted to come on, too, um, and talk a little bit of, more about his story. And um, I'm just going to take off my boots and get comfortable here because <laughs> it's hot. <laughs> um, but today, I mean, we'll go where, wherever the conversation takes us. But I really wanted to kind of start off by saying that... Um, <laughs> It's weird just to like to come off and say it, but like it's okay, I think, because I'm in such like a better headspace, right? And like I'm happy and like I wanted to talk, um, touch bases on depression. And depression is a very serious thing, but I'm smiling right now because I'm not depressed anymore, right? Yeah, yeah. And so I don't think it should be like this somber conversation where it's super serious. I mean, when you're in it, first of all, you don't want to talk about it. Right. Right. And if you've never experienced it, nobody is going to understand what it is you've gone through. Yeah, they'll think you're just sad. Yeah, they'll think you're just sad. And like even like growing up back in the day, we used to throw that word depressed around when mm -hmm. someone was expressing that they were sad. Right. It's so depressing. I'm so depressed. You know, and we used to throw that around like it was like no big deal. And then having gone through actual depression, I'm like, holy shit, it's so much more than that it's beyond your control sure yeah. right it's beyond your control and you can't just fix it you know and for some people um they uh have to be on medication or they did like i did which was self-medicate mm -hmm. and that actually ended up making things worse mm -hmm. yeah making things Wait, way worse what do you mean self-medicate by self-medicating, I mean I was drinking almost every day. And truth be told, it obviously didn't help. Um, and I mentioned this on the last one, like, you know, the divorce was one of the things that kind of triggered it. Mm -hmm. But it was before the divorce even. And it was almost like I was, it was like layers. Like it was like me basically going through a lot of things and then just burying it, oh. right? Just like throwing it, you know, dusting it under the, the rug and like covering it and putting a blanket over it essentially. And so when it really came down on me, I didn't explode, I imploded. It was like I had harbored all these secrets and I was literally lying to myself, yeah. you know? And then it just like went crazy after that. Yeah, and it was really hard to get in touch with you during that time too. Yeah, it was, I didn't want to talk to anybody. And the thing is people didn't know anything was wrong with wrong with me because I was so good at lying to myself, you know? And therefore, it was, like, believable because I would go through this stuff at night and then during the daytime go about my business, take care of my child, go to work, 
do everything I needed to do and then come home and just freaking be depressed. Um, I think then too, also, like I, it was a lot to do with um, faith. I think it's a combination of things. It's cultural and other things too. But like with Asian people in general, there's always like safe face. Like you have to be a certain way. People can't see your negativity. They can't see your sadness. They can't see that you're not this polished person that you're supposed to be. And for me to live up to that reputation was part of the thing that was killing me. Yeah, it was part of the thing. You know, growing up, my parents were really strict. Really strict. I couldn't do anything. And then I would save it for when I went to school. And anybody at school that knew me knew that I was super energetic and like really loud and a lot of times obnoxious, you know? (laughs) And it was like this pent up energy that I had to, is it suppress, right? Not repress, but suppress. And I let it all out at school. Um, I have what, it's hard to define because it's different for a lot of people, but in talking to medical professions, I have what is um, called um, seasonal depression, where it comes with the seasons. So during the winter time, when the sun was gone, I would be really sad. And then during the summertime, I would come out of it. And I might have always had it, and everyone has it to some degree, some more severe than others, but I didn't know until it was really, really heavy. And I realized that there had to have been triggers. Like, maybe I've always had it in me, but, you know, it didn't really affect me until something really traumatic happened, and um, that's when it basically took over. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it basically took over. And it was... um, it was after I'd given birth to Tyler. So Tyler was born in 2011. And I want to say in 2014 was when it started. And it was every year. So 2014, it's 2020, yeah. right? So it was every year, every year. This was the first year where I didn't feel it at all. And I think because I really took the time to... Um, I really took the time to myself. I mean, it wasn't healthy in the beginning because I really honestly didn't talk to anybody. Didn't talk to anybody. I kept it to myself. And um, I didn't do all the things that was necessary to really stay out of it. Not get out of it, but stay out of it. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's weird to talk about now. It's, oh... It is weird. It's weird to talk about now because, like, I'm not in it, you know? Like, I'm not in it. And, like, I – and then as I'm talking about it, I'm kind of remembering a lot of things. And it's it's a super scary time. But I think it's more accurate for you to talk to it Mm -hmm. after the fact. Yeah. Right? Because when you're in the middle of it, it's really hard to kind of explain to people what's going on. It's hard to even understand yourself what's going on. Right. It was hard. So I really didn't just want to – share the fact that I like had this experience I really wanted people to know that um, it happens to a lot of people and there are ways to get out of it whether it be um, with medicine or whether it be with other ways so so Ruben started working out recently I'm super excited about that and um, it actually was 
one of the things that got me out and let allowed me to kind of stay out of that you know depressive state it didn't come back this year at all and it usually kicks in right around november um right around the holidays when things start cooling down and the sun is not out as much um but this year not at all which is like awesome like i feel great i feel like myself again you know i feel like myself again yeah and i think what a lot of people don't understand is I mean, a lot of humans weren't really meant to live in these northern latitudes where you get these really long nights, mm. right? And that mm. can really affect people mm. with that. Mm -hmm. right? And the thing with seasonal depression, it's a real thing. And like I said, for, I was talking to the doctor and they were saying, it's difficult to um, like diagnose someone because there's so, so many different levels of it, you know? So just say, for example, something as simple as living in a place like Seattle. And Seattle's got one of the number one top um, suicidal rates. Mm -hmm. You know that, right? Yeah. I mean, no surprise, like, it's, like there's no sun there. It's like the weather is crap. I can never live there. I'd be super depressed, you know? But that's just kind of like an easy prime example of how the weather affects people's moods. And like I said, for everybody, it's to different degrees. So it's just, it's not like, you know, during the winter, everyone's super sad. I mean, yeah, they're sad to a certain point, but like depression is a whole nother thing. Sadness and depression, there's sadness in depression, but just because you're sad doesn't make you depressed, you know? Right. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I wanted to share the thing with working out. So I busted my knee about three, three or four years ago. And um, I mean, it wasn't from running, or anything, it's kind of, did I even tell you? No, you didn't. So I stopped working out. I was running for a while. Like my buddy Jules got me into running, which is awesome because I was never a runner to begin with. Mm. And like, I realized that you should never say you're not something because you can always become that. You can always do it, you know? Mm. I was never good at it, but like I ran. I ran a couple of halves and I ran even a full marathon, which is freaking 26 miles, which yeah. is incredible, you know? I couldn't walk for five days. <laughs> I didn't walk for five days, but I did it. I completed it. Um, but yeah, so I stopped running because I busted my knee. So, story time. Story time. So what had happened was I was at um, my friend jo Joanne. You know Joanne. Yeah. So I was at Joanne's apartment, and we were all hanging out. And we, were, we were sniffing poppers. Do you know what a popper is? So it's like, basically, it's, it's bottled up. It's like fumes. It smells like you should not be smelling it. That's the best way I could describe it. And it's used a lot in the gay community. So because what it does is when you sniff it, it's like euphoria for like 15, 30 seconds, and it relaxes all the muscles in your body. Okay. Including the ones in your anus. <laughs> my drift. So your sphincter is like loosened yeah, up, right? exactly. Okay. And like, you know, it wasn't like a sexual thing for us when we were smelling it. It was just like for fun, you know? So we were drinking and sniffing poppers. So I'm sitting here in her apartment and I, I take a good whiff and like nothing for like two, three seconds. And all of a sudden, oh, <laughs> I was just like so relaxed and just, it was so euphoric. And then when I came to, I felt the sensation. I had started to piss my pants. <laughs> so here I am, freaking like coming out of euphoria, pissing my pants, 
And like, I couldn't explain it to anybody because I was still coming out of it. Right. And I started to fumble. And I remember I shot up and ran towards the bathroom and I hit the wall. It was like the sliver of a wall, busted my knee and fell over. <laughs> <laughs> fell over because I was like in a daze still, you know. And I don't remember that exactly, but the, the girls were explaining to me that like I had hit the wall, freaking fell and then popped right back up and went into the bathroom. Meanwhile, I'm standing in the bathroom and I can't control anything, so I'm literally still peeing. <laughs> <laughs> there's no video of this, though, there's, right? No, there's no oh, video. Man. There's no video. Um, there's there there needn't be a video. <laughs> and I like I remember hearing listening on the other side of the bathroom door. This is like a studio, okay? Mm-hmm. So everybody's like you can hear everything. And I just remember somebody saying, "Well, I'm not doing that." <laughs> But yeah, so long story short, I busted my knee and it was so bad that um, anybody who's busted their knee would know like the kneecap is not actually attached to your body, right? It's like um, like fluid. Mm-hmm. It's like, is it cartilage? I think so. Yeah. And so what happened was when you, um, when you had that knee injury, um, it starts to fill with liquid. So literally, if I shook my knee, you could see my kneecap doing this, blah, 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 back and forth. Like, it was... Like jello. It was like jello. It was super scary, too. And because I was a dumbass, I never got... I never took myself to see the doctor because I thought it would heal. It would heal on its own. So it took, like, probably, I don't know, over three months before I decided the shit ain't healing. Yeah. So I... three months. Three... I know. I know. I mean... I mean, people who know me know that I have a really high threshold for pain, but also a little bit of stupidity sprinkled on top of that. <laughs> but like, so yeah, it, it took me a few months to actually get in there. And once I finally got in there, she was like, Ugh. so she got me on the, all this ibuprofen and then basically chasing the inflammation. Okay. So like ice pack or no, ice pack and then a bunch of ibuprofen. And then it took three years before it actually went away. Really? It took that long because, you know, I I don't want to freaking badmouth my my insurance, but like um, essentially the hospital that I was going to, they see a lot of people and they want to make sure that you like unless you're dying, they're not going to put you through the MRI. You know, so I got the you know, I did the X-ray and the X-ray is not going to tell you anything. I know I didn't break anything, you know. But anyways, it's so it's this it's my left knee and it's mostly healed. Okay. It, there's still so if, if you, you jiggle look at it, it now it's not going <laughs> to <laughs> No, it's not going to jiggle back and forth, but like if you squeeze it you can tell the difference because there's still that like almost I think it might be scar tissue. Okay. Yeah. Okay. But Oh man. The moral of the story is don't do poppers. <laughs> but if you do, don't run into the wall. <laughs> But my point being is like, so I didn't, I didn't work out for those three years. And so when I would have my seasonal depression and every year something would trigger it, trigger it. I just, I didn't, I couldn't cope. I didn't have the coping mechanisms. So fast forward, um, last year, one of my brothers had mentioned to me that working out helped him a lot. And everyone talks about working out. And we know this for a fact that, Mm -hmm. Um, it's not only good for you, but like it releases something called endorphins, yeah. right? And endorphins make you happy, right? Make you happy. And um, I, it's something that I preach to this day and something that I preach to you. Yep. 
And I said to Ruben, I was like, you got to start working out. And it's one of the things that helped me, you know, get out and stay out of that depressive state. And the the hard thing is when you are in that state, though, you don't want to work out. You don't want to talk to anybody. You don't want to do anything but just like nothing. And just kind of ruminate, or at least for me, it was ruminate on just negative thoughts and kind of spiraling and spiraling further into it. Right. And that's the other thing is when you're going through some shit, whether whether you're in a depressive state or not, when you're going through things and you're letting things swirl in your head, you really go nowhere. So when you're talking to someone, you're sharing yourself and sharing your stories and sharing your feelings to someone else. That, first of all, is super helpful. And then the second thing is if you're sharing that person to sharing those feelings and thoughts to, excuse me, a medical profession, uh, I just had to do it. Sorry, I just like I tried (laughs) Um, to a medical professional. You're even a step ahead of everyone else. You know, these people know what they're talking about. And so let me just put it out there like there's this misconception and this taboo like thing of back in the day they call them shrinks Mm -hmm. i don't even know where where that derived from but like it was a negative connotation essentially when you see somebody you're crazy yep you know yeah i know i'm crazy you know but i'm not totally insane you know and um sharing your feelings and your thoughts to um a psychiatrist is so beneficial like i started seeing one about maybe four or five months ago and it wasn't until after the fact. So it wasn't like me trying to get out of it because in that moment, I didn't want to see anybody. But it was me being, prevent- it's preventative. It was me doing, this year, it was the, um, at the end of 2019, it was basically me doing everything that I needed to do to not just stay sane, not just get by, but just like prevail, you know? So I, I kept working out. I saw um, a psychiatrist, and I was doing all the things that were necessary. Um, and I stopped drinking for a period of time. Um, you say that as you have a white claw in your hand. Right? <laughs> <laughs> but it's different now, because now it's like recreational, it's for fun, and it can have one. And no, I'm not going to have just one. I'll have a couple, <laughs> like be pretty content. I just like, let me just be honest. If I'm going to be freaking honest, I'm just going to say it. Like, I literally was self-medicating, drinking mm-hmm. every day. And I wasn't drinking White Claws. I was drinking whiskey, y'all. Mm-hmm. Every day I was drinking whiskey. And to take it even further, there was maybe about two months of my life. When was it? I would say about January of last year. So almost exactly a year ago, I would wake up and um, sniff Coke. Literally every morning. People mm-hmm. wake and bake, they smoke weed, whatever. Yeah. And I used to think that was, <gasps> you would wake up and like do drugs first thing in the morning. Mm-hmm. Or even like, you know, I've seen people were wake up open the fridge grab a can of beer right and i'm just like (gasps) an alcoholic here i am drink all freaking night wake up in the morning before i even get in the shower take a bump and i did that for like maybe two months and it was every day Mm -hmm. you know mind you i was you know dating someone at the time that was like all bad you know for me a lot of drama gave me a lot of drama um super manipulative and like I don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this person because I don't want to shine any more light on him. But it's um, 
I have to mention it because it was one of the things that one of my triggers, you know, one of the triggers that like kept me kept me in it. And I stayed in it for a long time because I was self-medicated. Right. Yeah. I was drinking every day and like, oh, everything's okay again. Yeah. And then it would start all over again. So I got myself out of it. I had a quick cold turkey. Like there were nights where I'd wake up in a pool of sweat. What's that called when you... Um, like night sweats or, or... No, it's the night sweats, but it was literally my body like getting rid of all the toxins. Oh, uh, okay. I know what you're talking about. Yeah, when you know a drug addict is um, releasing all the toxins. I forgot the word. There's a word for it. Do you, so you would think you'd say that you were addicted? Oh, I was definitely addicted. Yeah, I was addicted mentally and physically. Yeah, totally, totally addicted. I mean, it's a very alcohol and and coke are two very ad- addicting um, substances. Uh, it doesn't take much, you know. But yeah, I I I did it like I got out of it myself. I don't know how the fuck I did it, but I did. I got out of it myself. I basically told myself, "What the fuck are you doing?" I so like I I moved out of my apartment where I was staying with and that person had been living with me for quite some time, right? For months, not quite some time, for months and uh, my lease had, was up. And we found another place and we were going to move in and the week before we moved in all my stuff was still sitting around. Like I had not packed anything because I really knew that I didn't want to go. And it took something, like there were so many reasons why I should have left, but it took one thing in particular. And when I finally left, I I texted my dad and I said, dad, can I move back home? So when I moved back home, um, I moved back home and I spent, let's see, so I moved back and I think it was like March April, May, June, July. So I spent like maybe three or four months okay. not talking to them, not saying anything, just going home from work and just like wallowing in my sorrows. Really? Like, yeah. So you're living at home, but just not having not any interaction? Not okay. interacting with anybody. And I say wallowing in my sorrows, sorrows, but really I wasn't even sad. It was worse. I felt nothing. I think it's even worse. Like I wanted to feel something. I felt nothing. And anytime I did feel something, it would be anxiety. Right. So it switched back from anxiety and and nothing. It was fucking scary to even talk mm-hmm. about it now. It's like, wow, you know? But the only thing that got me through the day was like, I had a responsibility. I had to make sure Tyler was fed. Mm-hmm. He was bathed. I had to get him to school. I did all the necessary things, but without any emotion, yeah. you know, without any emotion. But that was the thing that I held on to was that because I was responsible for this human being, you know? And it wasn't even about being selfish or anything like that because when you're in that state, you don't know any better. Mm-hmm. You don't know any better. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think it's really tricky sometimes too, but I mean, you bring up a good point. Just having that responsibility uh, really, well, at least for me, it really helped. Mm-hmm. Right? I mean... So Ruben has three kids. Yeah. Yeah. So I have three kids. Uh, and, uh, I mean, I had gone through my own experience. Actually, I think it was last year, too. So I yeah. think last year we both through, uh, went through a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In, so in, I'm going to preface vein. a little bit. Yeah. I usually don't like to preface, but I think it's important because I've known Ruben for a really long time. And he's a very private person. <laughs> um, he doesn't share things the way that I share things. Um, but for him to come on and to even um, want to come on and and tell any bit of his story that he wants to tell is a really big deal because he doesn't usually. He'll just smile. 
<laughs> yeah, my comfort zone is like behind the camera. I don't like being in front of the camera. Yeah. So it's like, so, you know, you coming on is I'm so grateful. And I think that um, uh, it would really help people to know that it's okay to um, express how you feel and share your story and not always feel like you have to be this perfect facade, you yeah. know, because that's, that's the killer. That's mm -hmm. what really gets you is because you're pretending that everything's okay, but deep down inside, there's freaking turmoil. Right. You should be able to share that. And so just even talking about it helps. And for me, journaling was one of the things that really helped yeah. me, yeah. you know? That makes sense. So, um, but yeah, so during the time that I was going through it last year, Ruben was going through it too. And I remember when you reached out to me, I didn't want to hang out with you. I didn't want to hang out with you because I knew that it wouldn't be helpful for you or me. Like your negative energy wouldn't help me and my negative energy wouldn't help you. Yeah, it, probably, it would have just made each of us worse. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I didn't vocalize it. I just kept it to myself. I just knew that, nope, I don't want to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> and we're cool like that. So, I yeah. mean, I, you know, mm -hmm. I don't think I, I wasn't offended. So. Yeah, but I didn't explain it to you till like after the fact, you know, yeah. when I had really come out of it already, I didn't. You know, because other than because, you know, we're busy people, we have families, we have work and we have all these different things and we hang out with different people. But like I was saying, you're one of those people where like I can see you once a year and it'd be the same, you know. And I know that the last few times before all of this, like when we had met, met up, um, that you knew that I wasn't myself. Mm -hmm. You knew that it was off. It wasn't like I was hiding it. It was obvious for a lot of people, but I just didn't explain it. Right. I feel bad that I gave you a bottle of whiskey just for the heck of it last year, though. No, don't feel bad. I didn't even drink it. Oh, you didn't? I gave it to one of my coworkers. Oh, there you go. Okay, yeah. good job. Well, yeah. So that was a big deal. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so you, you were going through it. Yeah. And um, you reached out to me. And I'm so happy that you reached out to me. Yeah, I'm so I'm thankful that like you trust me to come to me and feel comfortable enough to come to me. I think that we we have that friendship, right? Where, I mean, we've known each other for, <laughs> geez, like a quarter century or something, right? Uh, and I think the fact that I know, even though, like you said in the last episode, you kind of come off as an asshole sometimes. <laughs> but, but I know that you don't judge, uh, or at least you no, don't judge me. I, no, I don't. So I, okay. I say I judge all day, but I won't hold it against you. Okay, there you I, go. It's okay to there have opinions, but I would never like hold it against you because I just don't do that. Right, right. Okay. I see such a difference in you. Um, I've known you for a long time, and you've always been a certain way. A lot of times rigid, always on your toes, always proper, always a certain way. I feel like you're so much more relaxed now. Okay. You're still you. You're still you. But it's, it's different. There's a certain level of comfortability that wasn't there before. Hmm. An openness, almost. And, and you and I are very different. Yeah, a little <laughs> We're bit. We're <laughs> so different, actually. And for some reason, like, our friendship works. Yeah. But you don't have to be the same. Like, that's boring anyway, you know? No. no. But we're really different. <laughs> but I think it was out of necessity, right? I mean, life changes. Uh -huh. uh, and if I had to be rigid the whole time, mm -hmm. I mean, I just wouldn't get anything done. Yeah. 
right? Uh, yeah. I mean, I, I like to be, I think in the past, I like to be more perfectionist than I am now. Yeah. Uh, and so let's, even if I'm at work, it take, you know, I want to write an email, it'll take me an hour to write an email. Mm. Now it's like, well, I'll just spend five minutes, get the main points across and not be perfectionist because I need that extra time to, mm -hmm. you know, do other stuff, to be with family. So you're probably to, one of those like are always in your head, right? Kind of. Well, yeah. I, I think uh, less so now, but yeah. Okay. But no, yeah. no, absolutely less so now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely less so now. Back to what we were saying, let's just backpedal a little bit, like mm -hmm. how um, I'm very direct. Mm -hmm. I don't want to say that I'm blunt because I do, um, I do have, I usually have a good sense of the situation and, and I know what I should and shouldn't say, not what I should and shouldn't say per se, but how to say it. No, I so think I have, I have some, <laughs> no, I have tact. People who well, are okay. blunt have zero tact. No, no, I you are tact. blunt with tact. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but that's actually why, that's one of the things that makes you a good friend. Okay. Right? I'll, I'll tell you the truth. Okay. I'll tell you the truth. And where I'm going with this is like, you called on me last, was it last sometime last year? Mm -hmm. You were in a situation and I, re I don't remember what I said to you exactly, but I, the only thing I remember was I said, I'm not going to sugarcoat things. And you replied, I don't expect you to. You said that if you wanted sugarcoating, you wouldn't have called me. Right. And that actually meant a lot to me. Yeah, that actually meant a lot to me. And I was still coming out of my shit at that time, too. I wasn't yeah. even totally level-headed then, mm -hmm. you know? Mm -hmm. But your shit was, like, so much heavier. <laughs> kind of trumped mine. I remember where yeah. I was, what I was doing, and everything. I don't moment. think it was a competition. <laughs> it's never a competition. My shit's worse than yours. <laughs> no, but you know, like, sometimes you just kind of have to, like, put your shit aside and deal with, yeah. you know? And not be like, woe is me, but what about my situation? You know, yeah, I mean, it's like when people say, oh, that's a first world problem or something. And it's a, sort of like, okay, well, maybe it is, but it's still a problem, right? I mean, it's still important to people. I yeah. mean, people are still feeling it a certain way. And, yeah. and, and it's not invalid because it's a quote unquote first world problem. Yeah, I agree with you. Yeah. 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 But yeah, but it was pretty heavy. Yeah. Um, and so I was starting to sort of ruminate uh, about negative things and, and kind of, you know, even consider, okay, well, you know, do I, do I want my life to even continue, right? Um, uh, and why, right? Wow. Um, mm -hmm. And so it was getting uh, to that point. I, I didn't want to really talk to anyone uh, right. about it. Right. Um, I got to give credit, though, to, you, you know, Mo, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, and Ed. Mm -hmm. And so we had been texting just, you know, regularly for, for other things, just, mm -hmm. you know, uh, uh, normally. Mm -hmm. And I guess Mo figured out a pattern that I, for some reason I wasn't texting her back mm -hmm. or for some reason I wasn't uh, responding. Mm -hmm. So she tried reaching out to me and then I guess she reached out to Ed and Ed was is uh, saying okay the same thing. Is it okay to say thing. what her profession is? Or? She, she's a pharmacist. Mm -hmm. yes. uh, yeah. And so um, at some point they had started talking to each other. Mm -hmm. um, and Ed was your... Uh, best man, by the way, and yeah. I was the maid of honor. You were the maid of honor. Yes. Yeah. And I have a story about that, too, how awesome there of a friend so you are. Many. So yeah. <laughs> what, about how awesome you are? <laughs> <laughs> that, too. <laughs> yeah. But they, they started talking to each other, and um, I think somehow, some time later, I decided, okay, I'll open up, I'll tell them what's going on. Mm -hmm. uh, and I said, you know what, I just don't think that uh, I want to carry on with my life anymore. Um, it's crazy. No, it's crazy. It is crazy. It's crazy when it actually leaves your mouth. Yeah. I know a lot of people have those thoughts swirling in your head, mm -hmm. and I was one of those people. Mm -hmm. I didn't actually think about how I was actually going to do it, yeah. but the thought crossed my mind. Yeah. The thought crossed my mind, but for, for you to actually verbalize it, it's different. 
it's almost like materializing almost right. you know yeah it's admitting it, admitting right yeah. by actually saying yeah saying so you it. said it to ed and, and mo i said it to mo she was on the phone uh with me and so then you know we, we talked uh, for a while the next day, I mean, she, she gave me some, I mean, you know, she, she told me some things, made a lot of logical sense. But, you know, when you're in that state, you don't follow Logic's logic. out the window. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Mm -hmm. The next day, I actually receive a call from my doctor's office. So because Mo is a pharmacist, mm -hmm. and I happen to have a prescription filled at that pharmacy in the past, mm -hmm. um, she had my uh, doctor's information, uh, and so she went ahead and notified, uh, notified them. I got a call from them. They kept calling, right? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't answer. Yeah. They called uh, my wife. I got goosebumps so, right now, dude. To say, hey, can you, can you, uh, you know, have him uh, call the office, right? Yeah. And, and this was on, I don't know, I think it was a Friday. They kept calling Friday, Saturday. I finally returned their call on Monday. Mm -hmm. um, and, uh, you know, they said, yeah, we'd like to come in. We hear you're not uh, feeling that well. Can you come in today? Um, and so I went in that, that Monday mm -hmm. uh, morning. Mm -hmm. And when I, when I talked to them. To the, to the, to the hospital? This is to the doctor. Okay. Right, to my uh, primary care okay. office. Okay. Right? Uh -huh. uh, and so when I talked to them, you know, explained uh, uh, how things were going on. Uh, and, and they did this assessment. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, they said, you know, we got to tell you, um, we need to advise you to go to the emergency room, mm -hmm. right? Um, and I didn't find out later wh what the trigger was, I guess, in this case, is if it's just, okay, periodic thought of mm -hmm. taking your life, that's one thing. Mm -hmm. If it's, um, you have a plan mm -hmm. for it, that's another thing. Mm -hmm. And I was at that stage where I had a plan, mm -hmm. right? I, wow. This is what I, this is how I wanted to do it. This is where wow. it would have kind of the least effect on, let's say, least collateral effect that's and things like that. fucking crazy. And then even in that state of you, you were still <laughs> trying to make it so that it was less of a burden for your family. Is that what? Well, that's where it got really tricky. Yeah. Because ultimately I didn't do it because of my family, mm. right? But it was it was mixed, right? Yeah. Because it's like, well, if I do this, I need to make sure the family's okay. Yeah. But it's also the family that stopped me. I mean, I couldn't do it to the kids. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Which means I that you still to, had your to wits. Jonica. Yeah. You still had your wits about you. Yeah. Where you weren't so deep into it that you would take that next step. Right. 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 And so what happened? And I didn't expect this uh, to happen. Yeah. So the um, the doctor said, "I need to advise you to go to the emergency room." And if you choose not to, then I am required to call nine one one. And um, so it was an ultimatum. It was an ultimatum, yeah. right? And so I, I promised them, okay, I will go to the emergency room. And and when I make a promise, I really make that yeah, promise, yeah, right? I really yeah, follow through. Yeah. I didn't go right away because I had to go to work <laughs> because my boss was in town from Germany oh, uh, that day. So, that's crazy. And he was gonna, you know, and so we had meetings scheduled for the week, and so it's like, oh well, this is a really terrible time to go to the hospital, <laughs> but you know, uh, but. I'm gonna follow doctor's orders. Yeah, I went to the hospital. Yeah. Um, I went to the ER. Yeah, um, and you know, after uh, admitting me, they you know take me to the the um, uh, in to the ER. Yeah, and then they said, um, so we're going to put you on what's called a 5150 hold, which is a 72 hour psychiatric hold. Fucking crazy, um, dude. And and I was just, I was like, what? First of all, I wasn't really uh, comprehending, you know, what was going on, right? <laughs> Uh, so I'm like, well, no, this is for crazy people. I'm not crazy. Right? 
Um, but it literally meant that they, they took me to a room which had like no furniture. Uh -huh. um, so you could hurt just yourself. Clear glass. Yeah. Uh, there was always a security guard over there. If I needed to use the restroom, they needed to escort me and make sure I didn't close the door all the way when wow. I went to the restroom. So I couldn't take a shit in peace. Wow. Right. Um, and then finally they took me by an ambulance to uh, the psychiatric ward uh -huh. um, uh, of a place. Yeah. Um, and I was there for, yeah, 72 hours, right? I, you know, I'm one of those people who, when I grew up, I didn't really believe in this, this mental health thing, right? I studied engineering, yeah, right? I like hard sciences. And so it wasn't, I had a hard time sort of believing this was a real thing, to yeah, be honest, yeah. right? And yeah. you don't really believe it's a real thing until you're actually in it. Yeah. Right? Or out of it, even. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, because when you're in it, you don't know the severity. Right. Yeah. Right. But I mean, when you were in that, you could do the severity. <laughs> well, I guess I figured out the severity of it, right? And, you know, my initial reaction, I was really angry. Yeah, I'm um, sure. Because, you know, first of all, I was angry at Maureen's, like, she told on me, she ratted on me, and, yeah. and, and things like that. And, yeah. and she later got scared yeah. that I felt that way. I felt really <laughs> bad, so. <laughs> I had to do a lot of apologizing afterward because she did a really genuinely good thing. Um, she and Ed, um, they told me later, they were staying up till like one or two in the morning every yeah. day trying to figure out what to do with me. Yeah. And, and yeah. you know, the thing is that means a lot to me now. At the time, uh, at the time I didn't feel that way. Yeah. Right? yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you're stuck in the loony ward. Yeah. Um, you're with other people who have similar conditions. Yeah. And you know how you said, okay, if you and I hung out, we would have made each other worse. Mm -hmm. Well, imagine being in a locked yeah room, right. locked ward, right. uh, full of the same kind That's of just insane to me, like, pun intended. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, no, and then it was like, it goes back to, and I always repeat, there's an old proverb, and I don't, my dad used to always say in Vietnamese, he would say, gang muk thi deng, gang deng thi sang, and mm. the little translation would be, literally, if you are, if you are close to, if you're close to ink, you'll be dark. Hmm. And if you are close to the light, oh, close to the light, then things will be bright. <laughs> this is a terrible literal, that is the literal translation, but the okay. meaning behind it is, depending on who you surround yourself with, just like your friends, who you, yeah. who your friends are and who you surround yourself with, who your peers are, is a, almost a direct reflection on like you, uh, to okay. some degree. Okay. You know, you are who you are, but who you associate with and who, what your surroundings are absolutely has an effect on you and who you are and how you react yeah. and what your thought process is and all these different things. Um, that's why they say surround yourself with positive people. You know, there's a different quote that I know from a, I think he's a motivational speaker named Jim Rohn who said, you are the average of the five people you hang out with the most. Wow. And I've always thought of that. It's like, uh -huh. you know, I want to hang out with people that I want to be more like. Yeah. You know? But it was an interesting experience because, yeah. you know, you think about being being in that place, um, you had people from all sorts of demographics. Yeah. Right? You had all sorts of races in mm -hmm. there, um, all sorts of different, um, you know, uh, I guess classes, if you will, right? Yeah. I mean, you had professionals, uh, you had homeless people, mm -hmm. um, all sitting at the same table, mm -hmm. all you know, eating together mm -hmm. at our scheduled, predetermined scheduled eating times. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, uh, I do have to say, <laughs> as much as I, <laughs> thank you for that. Welcome. <laughs> I mean, as much as I, I didn't like the experience, I mean, it definitely was an experience mm -hmm. uh, being there. Do you think it jolted you, Ruben? Like, do you think it was helpful? <laughs> I think, to be honest, I don't think being there and in, in locked up in that place mm -hmm. 
I don't know. I, I question whether that was helpful. I, mm -hmm. I question whether that was overkill. Mm -hmm. I think there could have been other other ways uh, to, to <laughs> do so it. That's so crazy, right? dude. You were yanked out of your everyday life. You couldn't go to work. You couldn't see your kids. Couldn't see your wife. No, couldn't see well, your friends. She, she came in. Actually, she visited. Did she come see yeah, you? Yeah. yeah. She and Ed uh, both visited oh, did me she? Uh, yeah. in the place. But there were predetermined scheduled times when they could come in uh, to visit. Okay. And, but the thing is, it's, it's really weird to feel like, okay, I'm, I'm a crazy person, right? Yeah. I mean, what, which I guess means I can make fun of them because I'm one of them. <laughs> but, but the thing that was good that came out of it was the psychiatrist was actually really, really good. I liked him um, so much so that I followed up with him, okay. became his patient. Okay. Um, and, you know, one of the things is I really wanted to steer this to, well, what can I do Proactively, uh, you know, by myself, right? Or in addition to I'm clapping, to <laughs> air clapping. So, um, you know, one of the things that I I read a book called The Depression Cure. I can't remember who the author is, mm -hmm. um, but in it they talk about a lot of natural things, including exercise, mm. including being out in in. Oh my the gosh, outdoors. you guys! I'm a doctor. <laughs> I'm a doctor. I prescribe white claw. <laughs> And exercise. <laughs> there you go. Don't take any other. Don't take any other advice from me. Oh, man. No more medical advice. <laughs> I hope you have some good liability insurance. There. I'm not getting paid for it, so technically the shit's free, so you can yeah, do whatever yeah. you want with yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. But like, yeah. Yeah, but the last time I talked to him, so um, the uh, so yeah, right now I'm on a medication right now. Mm -hmm. um, the last time I talked to him, he said, you know, because of the progress I've been making, especially in self-care, right, uh, with the exercise, with other things that I'm trying to do proactively, hanging out more with, uh, you know, friends mm -hmm. and, and things like that, mm -hmm. um, not as a therapy per se, but just because I'm genuinely interested in how mm -hmm. they're doing, right? Mm -hmm. um, so he cut my dose in half, and mm -hmm. um, I'm hopeful. I mean, the next time we meet up, mm -hmm. that'll, that'll be uh, the time when he figures out, okay, can I get off the medication completely? Yeah. Um, I wanted to mention other th one other thing that I learned from talking to you um, that I wasn't aware of before, but I should be because when you guys watch those inform infomercials on TV um, about, you know, talk to your doctor about this medication, you know, and at the end, there's this disclaimer that says that, you know, side effects may include the nausea, da 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 um, I totally missed the part about how one of the side effects could have the uh, opposite effect of what the medication is supposed to be doing, yep. which is making you even more depressed and like a lot of times puts you in a state as, like a, with thoughts of suicide. Isn't that weird? Right? I mean, it's crazy to me that a medication that was prescribed to you for the sake of getting you out of your rut, actually is having an adverse effect right. and making things exponentially worse. Right. It is mind-blowing to me. So, and, and I work for a pharma company. Right? Yeah. And so they're required to put all those things at the end. It's required by the FDA. But what's really interesting is, yeah, a side effect of antidepressants is suicidal thoughts. Insane. And you know what? I might have heard it, but I never took it seriously. Because uh -huh. you just think, oh, okay. <laughs> you yeah. know what I mean? No big deal. It may or may not happen. And by the way, if we go back to the reason why I was feeling this way, mm -hmm. um, you know, in the first place, mm -hmm. um, you know, after talking to the doctor, it turned, what they concluded, and, and what I, well, I mean, what they concluded is it was because of a change in the medication. Yes, yes. And right. that's actually the reason why I brought it up. 
it's one of the reasons why I brought it up was because um, it happened to somebody I know mm-hmm. where like a change in the medication that was supposed to help you had such adverse effects like yeah. and it might have been in combination with other things mm-hmm. it yeah. probably wasn't solely that but that didn't help sure yeah i mean the other things yeah. kind of kind of are yeah. additional factors mm-hmm. uh, in that i so can so. i just say like i'm like just talking to you now um you're different ruben am i yeah you're you're different like you're not as jumpy Okay. You were jumpy for a while, and now I understand why. Okay. You know, now I understand why. Did you ever feel anxiety? You did, right? Would you um, say? Or? Yes and no. Okay. So I think lately I haven't really been feeling anxious, mm-hmm. but in the past, yes, mm-hmm. especially when it came to work. Yeah. Because, like, we just think it's in, like, a lot of times, especially living in this day and age mm-hmm. with the information society and, like, everything going at such a fast pace, yeah. you're expected to work a lot faster and do right. more things in such a condensed, like, little right. amount of time. I don't know if you ever heard about this doctor, in, or no, the, sorry, it was a nurse in Australia uh-huh. who dealt with palliative care. So people in the last nine weeks. What, what care? Palliative. What does that mean? Uh, I think it's like comforting care. Like in other words, so you're kind of like you're hospice. At the end of hospice. Okay, I understand yeah. hospice. Yes. Um, and so she was documenting what some of their biggest regrets were, and one of the biggest regrets, especially for for uh, men, mm-hmm. was that they wish they didn't work so hard, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But then there are other things too. Like that that stuck. One of the things that stuck with me is most people regret not what they did, but what they didn't do. Mm-hmm. Right? And mm, I think when I when I learned about that, sort of like you know what, I had always grown up really conservative, right. risk averse, right. and you know it's okay to take some risks now. Mm-hmm. And maybe <gasps> maybe that's part of the change, right? Maybe I'm that's not. Maybe awesome. that's why I'm not so rigid. I don't know. Yeah, and it was always honestly part of your charm. Like you were to me like the biggest nerd on the planet. <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> charming in a different way. <laughs> but it was like one of the things that like like I gravitated towards mm-hmm. um, was that you were a perfectionist. You were a perfectionist and you were literally the biggest freaking nerd I have ever met, you know? That is a compliment, by it the way. It is a yeah. compliment, yeah. You remember all my labels and stuff? <laughs> yes. This, I loved my label This making. guy freaking labeled, he has a label machine and he freaking labels everything, even inside his home. Yes, I know what a fork and a spoon is. <laughs> <laughs> There's literally a label for everything. But the irony is, Ruben, that the more I got to know you, as much of a perfectionist as you were, there was also this level of chaos in your life. Mm -hmm. And duh, we're only human, you know, we're only human. So it's not like this, I said it last time, like this idea of perfection in any arena is ridiculous. Right. And it's not that you shouldn't strive for something better or 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 have like high big goals. I n- never want to settle for anything. I always kind of uh. reach a little higher, you know? But like um but the idea that things have to go a certain way mm-hmm. and if it doesn't, you can't function. No. I think it's learning to roll with punches a little bit more. Roll with the punches. <laughs> I'm so excited. So like, um, so Ruben knows me as Dwan, and in high school I was Don, right? So he calls me D. I had a reason for this. I totally forgot what it is. <laughs> Why do I always do this to myself? <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. I can't remember now. So he calls me D. And like, 
the other thing that I'm reminded of is when you saw me go through my hurdles with the mm-hmm. divorce and even prior to the divorce, mm-hmm. you said that one of my attributes was that I was very determined. Do you hmm. remember this? You better remember this. This is really important. No, I don't actually. <laughs> you have to remind me. Well, shit. <laughs> <laughs> I, Are you, you're just making this up. No, right? I'm not making it up because it stuck with me. And the thing is, people could tell you a million different things, but unless something really resonates with you, it'll go one through one ear mm-hmm. and out the other. Yeah. I held on to that. You said that I was very determined, and it is true. I find that. <laughs> Do you remember or no? I don't, but it sounds right. <laughs> Tommy! <laughs> but I find that inspiring, though. Okay. Right? I mean, that's why, you know, I, I mentioned earlier, <laughs> want to hang out with the people who I want to be like, and, and I want to be more like you in that way. Well, shit. I will take that. I will take that. Okay, I will totally. Yes, thank you. I will take that. <laughs> and and vice versa, Ruben. I'm not just saying it because you just said it to me, but honestly, like, I could never be like you. I don't know if I want to be exactly like you, but I could never be like you. But it's one of the things that I strive for is n- not that perfectionist aspect, but mm-hmm. There are, you have a lot of qualities, you know, about you that um, I really admire and that um, I would want to strive for. Oh, you're going to make me blush now. Can you blush? <laughs> no, I can't. <laughs> um, but yeah, dude, we've come a long way. And so oh, yeah. I didn't even finish my story. So I was saying how earlier I forgot to finish my thought, which was I was saying how people used to say, oh, I wish I was in my 20s. Yeah. No, I don't want to go back to my 20s. I was I was inexperienced. Mm-hmm. I was dumb. And I didn't have any money <laughs> in my 20s. In my 30s was a lot of fun. Like, I started working, so I had money to travel. Mm-hmm. I had money to eat well. All these different things. But also in my 30s, was the flip side. It's like, this is the extremist in me. Mm-hmm. Not that I planned this. This is natural. That, you know, I experienced my highest highs in my 30s and then my lowest lows. Mm-hmm. Now, in the very beginning of my 40s, I just turned 41 last week. Thank you. Happy birthday. Was, thank you. I was waiting for that. <laughs> I already wished you a happy birthday. So you did. I think you I had turned, to do it again. You turned 41 last September, right, Ruben? Yeah. Yeah. So we're both in the same age bracket here. I would have to say it is like last year was such a bad year for me, Mm -hmm. but it was just the first half and then it ended on such a high note. Mm -hmm. So I feel like now starting my 40s, I love my 40s. I love my 40s because I now have all these experiences under my belt and to take away from the good and the bad from all these experiences um, is really helpful for me um, in moving forward. Yeah. I'm looking forward to a lot of things, but more importantly, like I mentioned before, um, living in the moment. Yeah. Living in the moment is so important because I'm so happy right now. You know, yeah. I'm so happy right now and no amount of money, no amount of anything could equate with, not equate, what am I looking for? could replace replace 
the happiness that I'm feeling now. And it's not to say that we're done eating shit. Okay? No, no. There's Let's just a lot be more real. To come. See, and that's the thing is I like to prepare myself. I prepare myself for the worst, and then whatever else happens is like it's a cakewalk, you know? <laughs> it's when I get cocky and I think that I'm amazing, which I am. It, when you I are. get <laughs> when I get too cocky and think I'm untouchable and mm. then I'm done eating all the dirt is when I'm faced with the worst of it. Yeah. Because I'm ill prepared. Yeah. Right? It's not to say that you should be negative all the th- time and look for all the bad things that are lurking around the corner. It's more so that you have to be realistic in thinking that this is life. Right. The end goal isn't just sheer happiness. For me, it's the journey, right? So in going through this journey, there has to be ups and downs. Because without the high highs, you can't... With, sorry, without the low lows you don't know what that high high is. Yeah, I mean, it's not until you're at that low low that you realize there's nowhere to go but up. And then vice versa. (laughs) Right, well, yeah, that's true, that's true. But I think, you know, another thing that I realize nowadays that I didn't realize in my 20s was I felt like more in my 20s, I was trying to live my life to what the expectation was of my life. And that's actually one of the regrets that that nurse that I talked about uh, identified is that one of the regrets, the nurse from Australia who was dealing with hospice, was that one of the regrets is people were living their life not according to what they wanted, Mm -hmm. but what other people wanted. Yeah, and by other people, you mean society. It could be society. Your parents. Yeah, family. Whatever it is. Whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 So I think now I'm more at peace kind of doing what I want to do, right? That's amazing. Yeah. It really is. And it's not to say that we don't care what other people think. I, I know that, like, I try to think that way where I say zero fucks, you guys, zero fucks. I don't give a fuck about what you think. I don't right. give a fuck about what you think. It's only about me. It, it's not true. No. I do care to some extent, but I don't let that dictate the way that I live. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's not that I don't care. I care, but I'm not going to let that control or steer the direction that I want to go. Right. I'll take it into consideration. Right. But I'm not going to let let that happen because I've done that before. I've done it all my life. Yeah, yeah. yeah I've done it all my life. Um, and then now, so my parents may or may not be watching because now they know I have this thing. And that was the other thing is I wanted to be as honest as possible. Mm-hmm. They're not going to agree with a lot of the stuff that I'm saying. Mm-hmm. And it, back in the day, I would be frightened to say something like this and put that out there because I'm afraid that they would watch. Yeah. But I can't be honest with other people until I can be honest with myself. And by me being honest with myself, I have to live my truth. And even though really it's nobody's business, Mm -hmm. a lot of the things that I go through, that's not the point. I want to share because it's lying to myself has gotten me in trouble in the past. And therefore Mm -hmm. I now want to be really honest with myself. Right. And with me being honest my, with myself, I can move forward and say, hey, I might have done some things back then that I wasn't proud of. Right. I'm probably still doing things that I'm not proud of. But the whole thing is, this is me. Right. You know, this is me. All my flaws, all the positivity, all the quirkiness, all the ridiculousness, this is all me. This is what I encompass. And I may be flawed. I don't care. Yeah. I don't strive for perfection anymore because then I'd be lying to myself. 
Okay, so let's just wrap things up. I just wanted to really thank Ruben for coming in today and sharing his stories and being so candid about it. Um, it's uncharacteristic of him to be so open about it, which makes me appreciate it even more. Um, so if I were to kind of sum this all up, I wanted, were there, was there anything else you wanted to say? No, or? no. I so, didn't want to say anything in the first place. That's so. true, too. <laughs> <laughs> Touche. <laughs> but one of the things that I wanted to say is, you know, if you're going through some things, however big or little, mm-hmm. and that's all relative, how big or little something is, it's important to share. Yeah. It's important to not keep it and harbor these feelings it's okay to be private and you don't have to share things with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um, but know that it's okay that you do yeah. that, um, that it's okay to, first of all, feel these things, right? It's okay to feel these things. And second of all, to share it with someone. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily that you're seeking help or if it's a cry for help or anything like that. It's more so that, you understand that there are other people who are going through similar things and you're not alone. And mental health is a topic that has been overlooked and kind of swept under the rug because it's so taboo to talk about. But whatever level uh, it is, it's important to know that help is out there and it starts with talking to someone Mm -hmm. and absolutely working out helps endorphins are real i've been saying it to everyone endorphins are real they are real happy friday (laughs) all right that's a wrap that's a wrap all right that's awesome thank you yeah for sharing sure